Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Oh, it's a big one today. Uh, unfortunately, Kyle Robertson isn't with us, but uh, Bailey Johnson, our excellent crew beat writer, is here. Please check out all of your work at dispatch.com. I'm Mike A. Race. Thanks for joining us, per usual, at the controls. The Podfather, the Lord Flaherty, Patrick. Today is Wednesday, the 12th of April, 2023. It's just after one o'clock as we begin recording. And the crew, especially you add in the Generation Cup, excuse me, the Generation Adidas Cup, I should say, which is Big G, Little A, Big C, the GAC, I guess we'll call it the GAC. Yeah. Well, the U15 and U17 international tournaments, which in, this year were in Florida. And I think they move around. But anyway, they were in Florida. They've been in Texas in the past, Yeah, And the crew teams acquitted themselves well. Uh, but uh, Austin and uh, and who was it? Dallas won, won the... I think it was Philly won the 15s and Austin yeah, won yeah. the 17s. There, Is there, that right? There you go. But the, the crew teams acquitted themselves well. But the buzz was uh, about sort of this breath of fresh air that's been wafting through the crew organization since since Wilford Nancy took over. And it is a thing now. The crew is, is a buzz in the league. Um, they're a topic, a major topic of conversation uh, because of Nancy, for one, and also because of the results that he's beginning to get much earlier, I think, than folks expected, Bailey. But uh, they've won their last three by a combined 12 to 1 uh, margin, a 6 to 1 at Atlanta, or home against Atlanta, 4 nothing over Real Salt Lake, and uh, took their first road victory of the season, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, in, in the District of Columbia uh, on the Saturday just past. So three in a, three in a row by 12 to 1. There, there seems to be a coalescence of chatter about this team, Bailey. Are, are you getting the same sense? Absolutely. It kind of started really all the way back in preseason. People were intrigued to see what this is going to look like. And I've been hearing from people for, I mean, we'll call it three months now since preseason started, you know, across the league, people, fans, other media members, like people are really interested in what's happening here. And they can tell externally that the energy has really changed and, there is a positive breath of fresh air, like you said. And it, now that the first team is having the results in the field that they are in these last several weeks, like you said, it's really catching a lot of attention. And then the U17 and U15 teams going down to GA Cup and having the performance they did. And the way that the academy staff and the coaches were speaking about Wilfried Nancy caught a lot of attention down there as well, because they, from what I had heard, now feel, you know, rejuvenated in what they're doing because they know that they're working under a structure where when they produce players that are first team caliber, they will get to play. Right. And that is, you know, the ultimate reward for an academy coach. That's what you're working for. It's what you're, you want your players to know that that's a pathway that's available to them. And you can see it on the players noticing it. I mean, we'll get into this in a moment, but Aiden Morris signed a contract extension. And in one of the videos, don't, don't, you got to stick to the script here, Billy. In one of the videos they put out, they had several of the academy players, Gio De Libera, Owen Preslis, and Taha Brun speak and say what it means to them to see Aiden with the first team. And that's a pipeline that they know is available to them and they both can see it in Aiden's performances and in what the first team head coach says about playing young players. Well, Taha is, is, was the MVP of the U-17s. He's quite a thoroughbred from what I gather, Billy. I haven't set eyes on him yet. I have not watched him live, but I have watched him play. I watched him play with the U-17s in the CONCACAF um, World Cup qualifying. And then I watched a couple of the GA Cup games and yeah, he's a heck of a player. He was more of a goal scorer with the U-17 team. And then um, for the crew, he really just pulls all the strings. I mean, kind of all over the field. Nominally, he's like their number 10, but he kind of does everything for them. Huh. 
all over the place. Um, there's he, a, there's a lot there. of chatter about him. There's a lot of chatter about their academies and, and how there's been a, a almost wholesale change in the tenor. And this is despite this is right up to crew two, and they won it all last year in dominating fashion. So it, it feels like the beginning of a new era with some groundwork laid, obviously by the general manager with the personnel and the academy set up laid previously before the arrival of, of the last key ingredient. It's starting to feel like that. I, I have a column that's going to run in Thursday's editions, probably posted later today, Wednesday. Um, and it, it has to do with part of that feeling of rejuvenation is they're scoring. I mean, they're scoring. And this is a crew. This was the first, the league's first chartered franchise. They've never led the league in scoring at the end of the year. We'll see if it happens this year. Um, you get the feeling that, they can maintain a certain scoring pace uh, given the way they play. Um, but they do lead the league right now, and they're second in differential. And um, uh, I, again, I think people get it lost in the fog of advanced metrics. It's goals and diff, and, you know, 14 times the team that led the league in scoring won the supporter shield. Um, nine times it was the team that led the league in, in goal differential. Um and there's been three times when um, teams that were second in goals and second in differential won the supporter shield. So it's and there's one outlier, Dallas in 2016. That was a great coaching job. But the point here is that this isn't that complicated. If you want to get an idea of why the crew is captivating um, not only Columbus, but is starting to get a lot of talk around the league, um, a lot of big talk, um, it's. It's they're filling it up. That's skill. That's that systems. That's coaching, um, and that's you know doing it with one Cucho Hernandez tied behind their back. Absolutely, and they said it coming into the year. They wanted to score goals. They wanted to play an attacking style. They wanted to play an attractive brand of soccer. And the first couple of weeks were a little tough. Um, they you know obviously still figuring out how this was going to work under Wilfried Nancy. I don't think anybody thought what you saw in the first two three weeks was the finished product. Even though they did win that DC game, you could tell that it wasn't a full expression of what they were going to do. And then as we've talked about a lot, the Atlanta game was kind of a breakthrough. It was you know a weakened Atlanta team, but they were weakened as well. And Atlanta had their first team starting goalkeeper in there and Brad Guzan, and he just had no hope most of the night with how poorly Atlanta was playing defensively and how the crew just kept attacking, 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 exposing every single mistake that they made. And that's what this team wants to do. Goals are cool, man. Goals are cool. They goals are, they're, they're fun for everybody to watch. It's <laughs> for me, it's more fun to cover a team when they're scoring goals and they're feeling good. Um, Aiden Morris joked this morning that the fans are greedy. He said this completely jokingly. I don't want anybody to take him out of context. You know, oh, no. when they score four, the fans are chanting, we want five. When they score five, the fans are chanting, we want six. And they love it. The players feed off of it. It's what they want to be doing. You know, they go to D.C. and only score only score two goals. And it feels like it's a slide from the highs they'd been on. But it really wasn't. All right. Before we get to the D.C. game, let's let's talk about uh, the news of the day of the last 24 hours and, and uh, a couple items that uh, that that uh, are direct on Aiden Morris. Go ahead, Bailey. Take it away. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday was a busy day for young Aiden Morris. Busy, busy day for young Aiden Morris. Indeed, uh, this morning, really it happened last night, but this morning they announced the finalization of a contract extension that keeps him under crew control, we'll call it, through 2026. Um, signed his first homegrown contract here in January 2020, so now heading into his fourth season um, signs this extension through 2026. He was making, I looked it up, um, 172000 on his last contract last season. We won't know 
the numbers until the next um, MLS Players Association salary data comes out probably in the next month or so. I'm curious about term. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm the dude got paid. Happy get paid. Anybody, um, especially in that league, they've had to fight for fair wages for so long. Um, uh, you know, especially during, but Aiden Morris is going to get paid one way or another. He obviously got a major raise. Good. He deserves it. This is a guy you want to lock up as long as possible. And because it'll come to a point where when does the price of selling him um, just when do they get an offer they can't refuse? And it will come with Aiden Morris. It will come, and it's going to come. I mean, obviously, he's only been seven games of the season, so I don't want to make sweeping proclamations based on what is a relatively small sample size. But the leap that he's taken so far this year has ha- has him on getting a lot of attention and catching a lot of eyes. And I think, in some ways, has kind of moved up the timeline of when that offer they can't refuse will come. We'll see when it happens. But certainly, I mean, obviously, they wanted to reward a kid that they think really highly of and want to have on this team for as long as possible. But I definitely also do think, and this is just my own thoughts, that part of getting this contract extension done is in ensuring their leverage for when that time comes in securing the maximum fee they possibly can. Right, right. I mean, he's been electric since he became the youngest starter in an MLS Cup game in league history. A record he still holds. Yeah, and uh, probably will, well... There are a couple that have come close. I had to get down to the days on a couple when I was checking to make sure he still held it, but... It's, it was 19 years and 27 days, I believe. So I have a hard time believing he's that. He's 21 now. He's 21. He and turns it's, 22 in November. No, but yeah, he's not even like almost 22. He's another six months till he's 22. He is, he's just electric and uh, a tradition of great midfielders yeah. uh, in, in Columbus. You Taha Habrun coming up from the academy. They think really highly of Sean Zawadzki. Who, they love Sean Zawadzki. They love Sean Zawadzki. He hasn't played a ton this year. Um, it'll be interesting actually to see, which ties into the second piece of news of Aiden getting called up to the men's national team for next week. Um, interesting to see if Sean Zawatsky plays on the 21st that was this the, weekend. The second bit of news, Aiden, Aiden Morris has been summoned to play for the senior national team um, by U.S. soccer for a friendly against Mexico at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona on April the 19th. That's one week from today, Wednesday, April 19th. Um, if I have that right. Do you have do that? have that right. Wednesday, April 19th at State Farm I, I, Stadium. I, I got a date right. Um, I need editors. <laughs> Uh, that's a week from today, and and that's one of those obviously ATM games set up by U.S. Soccer to load up a football stadium on the border with Mexican fans and and uh, you know cover their expenses for the year or the month or whatever, or pay for their lawyers they're going to need um, in the Greg Berhalter lawsuits. No, no, I don't think any lawsuits are coming, but we'll see. Um, f- forget I said that. Please um, send send all your mail to the sports editor. Um, Anyway, Aiden Morris, it's a friendly. It's going to be an unfriendly probably in Glendale, Arizona, but, you know, he's playing Mexico. And he's he loves the idea that it might be an unfriendly. He loves he's the kind of guy that should play against Mexico. You know he, I mean? No, he is. I mean, it was it felt very on brand, we'll call it, <laughs> that I was talking to him about this this morning. And he's got a black eye from his head to head collisions in the D.C. game. He's got a broken hand from the Red Bulls game a month ago. And he's telling me everything is five percent more intense against Mexico. And I love these games and I'm so excited about it. And this is what I live for. That's Aiden Morris kind of in a nutshell. He's got a little Frankie in him. Although he's a very uh, erudite and uh, there's a great depth to his intellect and his, his, uh, he's a very thoughtful and, and uh, aware young young person. Um, but there is that. I mean, you watch him play and you go, oh, geez, uh, 
the, the more black eyes, the better for Aiden Morris. So. Yeah, he'll never shy away from anything like that. I actually had someone joke to me recently. We were having you know one of those conversations you have about like, oh, if there was to be a confrontation on the field, who is going to be the one that's most involved? And I said, oh, it's obviously Aiden Morris. Like that, he's almost looking for it a lot of the time. Last bit of news, um, if we can call it news. You and I have been both poking around it, mostly you. Um, but uh, is there has been a the team's been playing so well and there's been other headlines and we've almost forgotten about their longstanding search. And by longstanding, I mean months uh, search for a left footed center back. Indeed. And it's been, and, in, and they have until the end of the month, they have until the end of the month, the window closes on the 24th. It's been something that's been on my mind. Um, and I know you spoke to Tim Bezwichenko yesterday and then I, got a text from him later in the day because when they picked up Gustavo Vaisia on loan from Colorado, it was a stopgap measure. It was, they really needed depth and he was, you know, kind of an expendable body in Colorado that Wilfried Nancy was intrigued by. He likes the opportunity to develop players and see if he can find something in them that other people haven't. Plus that's an awesome name. It's fun to say. Um, and Vaisia is technically right footed, but when you watch him play on the left, you're not thinking, Oh my God, they really need someone who is naturally left footed over there. Like he has a pretty good left foot and has, acquitted himself better in that spot than I think they thought he would, which has not slowed down their search for another center back, but has made it a tiny bit less of a priority is kind of the sense that I have. It's a search that they've continued, but with how well Vaisia has played, it wasn't so, oh my gosh, we have to get this done right now. Um, I will say I got a text, like I said, from Tim Bezbachenko yesterday. Um, he let me know that they have made an offer um, on one of their center back options that they are intrigued by. But he said, and I quote, however, reaching an agreement often includes many dynamics during each stage of the acquisition that process. That's just like him. That close, yeah. close quote. So I would He's not. A lawyer. Ag- yes. He's a lawyer. Um, so that kind of I mean, doesn't suggest to me that they're super optimistic that'll get done in the next two weeks. I, I think part of it, Bailey, uh, my sense of it is that they had they had one or two targets. Um, I think offer on one, I think there still, still might be someone else that interests them out there. I think what they're weighing is what they see on the field now um, and what they might have coming up, what else they can do to shore up the position um, and, and do it in a way that they have money maybe to spend elsewhere. I think they're still assessing. I think they have X amount of money and they're assessing how they want to spend it and what the priority of a left-footed center back is for them at this point. Exactly. I think you're spot on. I think coming into this year, they thought that was something that was like number one star next to it, absolute top level priority. And the way that Gustavo Vallecia and Phil Quinton have played has, as Bez said to me, given them some new data points that suggest that they can maybe get by with what they have. Obviously they're still looking for it and it's a position they still would like to shore up, but it's maybe less of an immediate urgent need to solve as they consider what money they have to spend and where they would like to shore up their roster. You're certainly seeing now seven weeks in Wilfried really settle into the group of players that he uses. Um, He has told me on several occasions that he likes to have a smaller group. So this may not ever be a situation where they've absolutely max out every roster spot they have available because Wilfried likes to rotate and he likes to work with a slightly smaller group of people in the grand scheme of things, not like say what they're dealing with over at Chelsea right now, where they have like 40 first team players and they're training two games of 11 on 11. And it's a disaster. And guys are sitting on the field or sitting on the floor during meetings, which is what I read last week. Um, Wilfried likes a slightly smaller group. He, I think is no, generally, this isn't Chelsea. It's not Chelsea. Okay. That well, anecdote that, went yeah. on longer than I thought it was going to <laughs> kind of lost myself in the middle of it. Um, 
Wilfried likes to working with a slightly smaller group. He really likes to rotate. He has said, and I think I've said on here that the hardest part of his job is telling a player that he's not playing. So he, in some ways wants to, he only wants to have a group of people that he thinks can play and wants to use. Cause if there's someone around that he doesn't see any use for and doesn't believe in as a player, he told me that he would rather have that player just not be here than sit here and just not play week after week after week. The crew has been climbing in the standings. Now they're fourth in the East and seventh in the supporter shield standings. Um, the East goes as follows: Cincinnati, five zero and two with five one goal victories. Um, the New England Revolution coming to town. We'll talk about that in a second. With sixteen points, five uh, one and one. Um, it, the Atlantis, um, who felt the wrath of a uh, a limber crew team um, here in Columbus a couple of weeks ago, they have fourteen points, four one and two. Um, and then the crew, um, 3 and 0 at home, 1-2-1 and on the road with 13 points in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Next game is uh, a meeting of the second-place team. And, uh, well, let's talk, let's talk about the last game first. Um, we'll get it out of the way, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll take a quick peek at the Revolution. Um, first, again, first road victory of the season, 2 nothing at D.C. United. How would you describe it, Bailey? What went on? What did they look like uh, in their... F- how did how did he fill out his roster uh, subs etc. Yeah, so we'll start with the roster. Um, Patrick Schulte started in goal again. Aloy Room. Yeah, he was trying to start a goalie controversy last week, but and then Patrick Schulte was pretty darn good in goal. I'm just saying he did get bailed out on a couple of occasions, which we will discuss. Um, oh, Will Sands off the line. Now. They're they're really good buddies, and you could tell. I they they have. A, <laughs> they are now. No, they always had. That's a good squad of guys that hang out a lot, and they have. Uh, regular trips to get ice cream. And I wonder if maybe there was some ice cream purchased for Will Sands as a thank you. Yeah. Ice cream's a euphemism. They actually do get ice cream there. Um, there's an ongoing battle in that friend group. We don't need to air it out publicly. Well, that's weird. <laughs> they talked to me a lot about it when I was down for preseason. Anyway, Patrick Schulte in goal, uh, back line was Gustavo Vaisia, Milo Steganek, Steven Marrera. Then you had Will Sands at left wing back, Darlington and Aiden in the central midfield, Mo Farsi on the right. Alex Maton and Lucas Celebrayon as the dual tens and Christian Ramirez at forward, which is the second game in a row they've used that exact lineup. Um, and seems to be at least while they're at their current state without having Cucho and with LA room still dealing with a knee injury. Um, Wilfried told me today that it's the same has not progressed in any way. Um, that seems to be kind of the group they're going to roll with going forward. Um, they went to nothing. Like you said, uh, Lucas Celebrayon scored the first goal on, a penalty kick that perhaps was not a penalty. And when I expressed that opinion, I got a lot of criticism for it. Oh, and I would just like it. to say that I stand by it. Don't worry it was it. not a penalty. It I don't, I don't care. I don't care. They criticize me. That's totally fine. I feel very confident that it was not the strongest penalty call I've ever seen. Wayne Rooney really didn't like it and talked a lot about how much he didn't like it. Um, and then Wayne Rooney also thought the second goal was offside. And that one actually, I think he has a pretty good case for um, Christian Ramirez made a little contact with Jacob Green in the buildup. Um, second goal is Christian Ramirez from Mo Farsi. Uh, started really by Patrick Schulte with his distribution. He kind of set it up like right. he was going to go out to the right, quickly switches, throws it over to Will Sands, who then sprints up through midfield, switches it across the field to Mo Farsi, who beats the aforementioned oh, Jacob did he, Green. did he beat him? He just chipped it by him and, and uh, crossed it. Not across, a pass. Wilfried, yes. Wilfried Nancy made this clear. Well, I can say cross, and no. I, I could say it wasn't a penalty. I can say anything I want on this show. You can. You are, you, are, you are in charge. You I, can say anything. I don't anything. see Wilfred Nancy in this room. Podfather's not complaining. 
I don't, this is something that I asked Wilfried about today because he Saturday night, as he's talking about that goal, he says, I was really proud of Mo that says it was not a cross. It was a pass. So today I said, Wilfried, I, I get the semantics of it. I mean, Farsi saw where he was going with the ball. Well, right, And it was, it, it Wilfried actually gave me a really, a really for- interesting answer about how with the players that they have and the way he wants to play, he said, and I quote, I don't believe in crosses. Did it go across the box? Like halfway. Okay, then then it's something of a cross. So I don't disagree. This, I just thought it was. I wanted to bring up that interesting quote from nice. Wilfried. I, I hope he's happy. We'll call it a pass, cross pass. So that was a, that was really well done by Mo Farsi. It was a great play by Mo Farsi and, and so, great by Will Sands on yeah, the other side as it well. It was a workmanlike victory. They managed the game well. Um, they needed one on the road. They got one. Third win in a row. Uh, they're hot, and so now uh, the team that's fourth in the East and uh, oh, let's see that. The uh, I looked at the MLS.com, their latest power rankings, and they got the crew five and the revolution number four um, in the league. So second place, New England Revolution at the lower.com stadium um, playing the crew Saturday night at 730. Um, there's been some who've questioned the crew's strength of schedule to this point. As you pointed out prior to the show, I mean, uh, you look at New England, it's, uh, you know, they went to LA and got housed. Uh, but other than that, it's not like, it's not like they've been playing uh champions league, you know, type opponents either. Uh, yeah. They went to LA and got housed in a similar way that the crew yeah. went to Philly and got housed. And, and they kind of both have that one blemish on their records and then have pretty easily, you know, the, the crew has played Philadelphia and Atlanta. I mean, um, Philly struggling right now. Atlanta is actually ahead of the crew in the, in the Eastern conference. It's a, anyway, that that's like cross pass. We can we can get lost in the, in the weeds with that, and, and it really doesn't matter. This is a quality opponent. This is the twenty twenty one supporters shield uh, champions with um, uh, Bruce Arena as their coach and sporting director, um, and he will tell you he's a great soccer mind. Um, they have a really they have a nice team, and and uh, well, they're in second place um, in the real in Cincinnati, I, I believe. Um, they're in second place in the East. Set this one up for us. What first? Wherefore, Cucho Hernandez? So um, he was doing individual. He's out on the field now as part of the next stage of his progression. He's working by himself with um, Federico Pizzuto, who's their end stage rehab coach. I think is officially his title, which is a sign. It's always when I look at guys that are out when they start working with Federico is when I start to know okay they're getting pretty close because he's the last guy they work with before they reintegrate to full training. So he's doing individual work with Federico. Um, Wilfried said he's on track. So the injury was what before the Red Bulls game. And what do we know about the injury? Bill? It's a knee injury. That's yeah. all we know. Yeah. A minor knee injury um, that they wanted to be careful with. I believe he's at about week four right now. If it was originally a three to five week rough timeline, so another week approximately, we'll say. Um, I know he's on schedule, um, but I also know that they want to be really, really careful because it's the kind of thing that if he pushes to come back too soon could end up being out for a while. So, and they're playing quite well right now and are scoring a lot of goals as we've talked about, despite not having him. He in fact hasn't scored this year. So they, I think if they were struggling more in the attack, they might be more inclined to push that process a little faster. They're playing fine and they have, they're playing great. Chris Ramirez is playing really. He's got three goals and three starts. That's Um, why they got him. And it's doing really well for them. And this is a 23 year old uh, stud. Yeah. They're not taking any chances with Cucho Hernandez's long-term health. (laughs) Yeah. They shouldn't. Right. No, of course they shouldn't. Um, so, yeah, probably, probably I would assume no Cucho for Saturday since he's still not back with the full team. Um, so that means probably the same 
lineup again. Like I said, Aloy Room is still out. Um, Luis Diaz as well has been out for most of the year with a back injury, and Wilfried said there's no timeline on that. Um, big game for them against New England. Like you said, have taken some criticism, not criticism, but just haven't played the toughest of schedules yet, and neither has New England. So it's a big Eastern Conference test for both teams. Um, you know, Bruce Arena team is going to be hard to play against and, you know, very committed to the task. They have a phenomenal goalkeeper in Georgie Petrovic, um, who's been one of the best in the league so far this year. Um, There's a team that's played together for a long time. They have played a few younger players this year, which is a little bit of a departure for Bruce Arena to be playing the kids. Um, He's had 18-year-old midfielder Noel Buck playing for them a lot. He didn't play this past week, but could be back in the lineup this week. He started all their games before that. So it's going to be a really interesting game. Yeah, you know, we'll see what happens with Cincinnati this weekend. Uh, they're they're struggling to uh, to score, but they're 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 winning games. Um, uh, and Pat Noonan isn't happy with the way things look right now, but he'll take first place at this point. But depending on what happens in Cincinnati for New England, this could mean first place in in the division uh, by you know in mid April, which isn't an awful thing. Um, it's going to be a good game. Beautiful weather. Beautiful weather. There is a slight chance that it's going to start raining before kickoff. So. Oh, no. I can't take my bike. I'm like, I don't think. You might be risky if you take the bike. Let's put it that way. You might be chancing it. It's supposed to be you know, gorgeously sunny all week. And then at about 7 o'clock on Saturday, the rain might roll in. Podfather so. was thinking of taking his bike down there, too. The weather says scattered thunderstorms in the evening for Saturday. So. Dang. You might well, be in trouble on your that's bike. All right. Today's beautiful. I'll be out there. Oh, it is gorgeous. All right, Vales, anything else you want to add other than everyone, please, just so much good content uh, being produced by this young woman uh, at dispatch.com. Uh, she's there every day covering the team. How I appreciate is, have that. you talked to Cucho? I haven't talked to him. We, I mean, I said hello when I saw him in the press box during the um, Real Salt Lake game, but beyond that, we haven't spoken. He seems upbeat. Um, looked really happy today while he was out there working with Federico. He's kind of a happy-go-lucky guy, so seems like that's going well. But what, what are the crew saying about New England in this, what you would call in an early season test, although the season's 20% over? Yeah, so both good for them and a little bit frustrating from the media perspective is they've really embraced Wilfried's mentality that they approach every game the same way and they're only focused on themselves and it's all about what they're going to do. And they really don't think very much about the opponent, which is fine for them, but leads to them not really saying a whole lot about what they think. Are they taking it one game at a time, at a time, that line that hasn't come out. They haven't said one game at a time, but they're that, you know, it's the subtext. Um, Wilfried mentioned kind of a lot of the same things that I did because I you know, got them from him this morning. I'm not suggesting that I think the same way he does, but more that I was paraphrasing his comments this morning about them having been together for a long time and that chemistry that they're showing. They beat up on Montreal last week. That's a really struggling Montreal team right now. Well, you know, they have to, uh, you know, they, they have their own way to frame their psychology heading into any given games, but I love how Aiden Morris will say, wow, I get to play against Mexico. Oh, he's so and, excited to and, play against Mexico. And yet Mexico. you ask him about the New England Revolution, and I'm not saying he said this, but like you ask him, well, gee, we, we, you know, it's just, just, we, like, actually, any, just he, like any other He opponent. was not asked about New England this morning because the last time we spoke to him in a pre-match press conference was before the Atlanta game. No. I'm just using him as a No, I know. For, I know you, but I, before, um, oh, it was before the, um, the home opener. It was before the DC game. He was asked how they were approaching it. And he said, it was the Thursday morning. He said, I don't really know anything about them. So that's how we're approaching it. So 
That's fair. I I dig that. No, it was fine. We've oh. given up the ghost on trying to get a free match quote from him because you know that's probably what he's going to say. Um, I didn't finish my thought earlier about Sean Zawadzki and Aiden's return, just so I don't leave a thread hanging. Um, the guys that have been called up are not expected to miss any club games. He'll play Saturday and then they'll leave Sunday or Monday to head out to Arizona. Maybe they'll go to California first. Who really knows with U.S. soccer? Um, out in Arizona Wednesday and then we'll be back Saturday. So. His physical presence will be there for both games. The next two Saturdays, just a question of if they want to play him three games in eight days like that. If they want to give him some rest for that game at Charlotte, I think Sean Zawadzki is a good option. Yeah, that'd be interesting. It's also the day after Sean's birthday, which would be fun for him. Okay, that's uh, just throwing it out there. Happy, happy, happy birthday, birthday to Sean! You know, <laughs> next uh, next next Friday. Sean's so Zawadzki's at birthday. New England Saturday, or again, home against New England on Saturday are the crew. Uh, they're at Charlotte on the twenty second of April. And um, on the 26th of April, Wednesday, a week from today, they they have uh, a U.S. Open Cup game. U.S. Open Cup, Indy 11. Indy 11, that, and that's here at, at the New Crew Stadium. Uh, and they end the month uh, home against Miami. It's the start of a three-game homestand. And they, as, as a, after a international break. Um, this Not week, an international break, just a bye week. Yeah, a bye week, excuse me. Um, they're home against Miami prior to that, 429, 513, home against Orlando, home against the Galaxy on the 17th. And on the 20th of May, they are at uh, Cincinnati and, and hell becomes real again. On my birthday, as I continue to mention when What's we talk about the birthdays. I'm still a child, so we still talk about our birthdays. All right. Okay, happy birthday to Bailey and Sean and for everyone else out there. And Patrick, when's your birthday? Oh, it's, it's, yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's the it's Podfather's the birthday, too. Oh, we'll get you a cake. Thank you for joining us. Check out all of Bailey's fine stuff at uh, dispatch.com for the birthday boy and the birthday girl, Patrick Podfather Flaherty and Bailey Johnson, respectively. I am a non-celebratory Mike A-Race. Thanks for joining us. And Patrick, kick us out of here. <laughs>